Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with you back for another episode of Roach Coach, creating this new metal canon one album at a time. This week, we have quite an episode for you. We are going to be listening to a band, a band that's been recommended to us. Matt, I'd say since year one, people have been like, when you get into the mojo. When you get into the mojo. Well, today is the day, folks. We're talking about Rising by Stuck Mojo, and there's only one guy we could get to talk about that with us. He's one half of the POD cast and so much more. It's Brian Quinby. Yeah. Hey. How's it going? I'm, I'm glad to be here. I, I, it's finally time for me to repay the favor. You've had us on your show uh, a bunch of times. Always a pleasure. We love the POD cast. I mean, you guys are... You know, you guys are doing that hard work too, man. You're digging into these albums, and I and I know um, it's been very interesting to see. Sometimes I feel like I know, like this is going to be a Brian album, this is going to be a John album, but it's been very interesting to see the stuff that does hit and hasn't hit with you. Of course, I really loved your Cold Chamber app, where both of you are really all about Cold Chamber. It was very interesting though to see that you guys weren't really on board with the straight up uh, compilation. Uh, which which I I loved I thought it was very good but then also you have a deep seated distaste uh, for the boys in Seven Dust I actually just recorded the Seven Dust episode uh, we just did it I believe it was yesterday mm-hmm. we, did, we did Seven Dust and uh, I I mean look it'll probably be out maybe by the time this comes out I gave it a one so wow <laughs> I did not this like was it, which even which, on listening to it. Which which Seven Dust album was this for? Home. Oh wow! Stinks. Those guys suck. <laughs> I hate to say it. I hate to be so mean about Seven Dust, but uh, if I have to pick like a band that I think, well, we're gonna be talking. We're gonna have a conversation a little later on. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh, Not shit. to tip your hand, but. Uh... <laughs> I hate to do it. I hate to tip my. I know that that is not what the performer should do, but like, uh, you know, Seven Dust. Uh, I gave Seven Dust a worse review than I gave Crazy Town, the gift of the game. So wow, and Puddle Damn. of Mud. I gave Puddle of Mud a better review than Seven Dust. Wow, wow, but wow, know, Puddle of Mud got a few really cool songs. <laughs> Puddle Puddle of Mud got blurry. They have blurry. You know what can you say? Uh, I want to. I do want to give a quick plug to your brand new pod, guys. A podcast about guys. I was just telling you before we started recording that I have not laughed so hard to the point of tears, to the point of driving my car off the road than listening to this pod. So, so funny. The first episode all about sex guys. So, so funny. And as we record this, you just dropped the classic rock guys episode, which I can't wait to dive into. But if you want to tell you just a little bit about this show, which I seriously just the funniest thing. So I'd been doing uh, uh, I was doing a show that was based on news that, that kind of fell apart and uh Near the end of it, I had just started, like, collecting guys. And uh, it would just be, like, Jim Brewer is one of my guys. Uh, and, and it's, like, there's this list of, like, very specific guys. Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. Uh, there's just this list of guys that people associate with me. Specifically, like, uh, uh, I hate to say, like, trashy like 2000s and 90s stuff you know i do another podcast about butt butt rock and i do a podcast about shock jocks so like howard stern opie and anthony bubba the love sponge like i i 
I deep dive into those guys. And it's just like, I have this affinity for like trashy, uh, shitty cultural <laughs> guys. You know what I mean? And like, yes, I just, I decided that when I was going to launch a new podcast, I, I had two, two, two things I didn't want. I didn't want to be dependent on the news and I didn't want it to be dependent on, a, a, um, I wanted it to be evergreen. So I just decided like, let's just make the whole podcast out of the guys. Uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've done three episodes so far. The third one isn't out yet, but it's karate guys with John Gabris. Beautiful. Where, uh, I read an article when I read a, an article where it's 12 reasons to start your own dojo from black belt magazine. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, a, I just, I am fascinated by, I, I was a sociology major when I was in college and I'm just kind of fascinated by <laughs> groups of people that are really under talked about i mean when you even talk about doing this podcast right or, or the pod cast it's like there's there's millions of people that listen to this music and there's like three podcasts <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very true um yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's it's a very fertile ground and i mean like i could tell like just in that first episode that you probably could have done you did an hour and change and you probably could have done like three hours of just this. I mean, hedonism to reviews just on and on. So um, we're going to do... do more and mm -hmm. I'm going to start streaming at twitch.tv slash murder Brian. And uh, I'm going to be, I'll have my, my, Mike and Chris will be on it all the time. And, and Mike has a folder that we can probably show some of, but it's a Google doc called nasty old porno guys. <laughs> that he finds on twitter these like old guys that like i mean some of the stuff some of the stuff in that document that i'm, I'm uh -huh. like you should charge for access to this thing <laughs> like a guy that sticks his balls and dick in uh boiling water for, like yeah coffee oh man <laughs> you were talking about that at the end that was the moment where i was like well it's good that well i like how they were you were like well time to sign off and he's like hold on we haven't talked about the dick and balls boiling water guy it's like <laughs> do we have to <laughs> could we can we be done can that be its own thing somewhere yeah. else <laughs> dude some people dm me and ask me for that guy's twitter <laughs> I was, like I, they wanted to see the boiling balls guy as as they as you guys described it i was like i never want to see this because at one point didn't somebody say like his body is like the picture of like if what your body needs to look like to survive a, a car crash or something like that i was like i don't need to see this it's man crazy it's those everything. people are curious on the main they're like oh yeah. <laughs> yes really yeah. need that dick and balls burn guy one of the funniest <laughs> one of one of the funnier things that he had in there that was just it was beautiful to me is like these guys that get scammed uh by like fake jennifer aniston twitter <laughs> yes. accounts that tell Ooh, catfish guys art. yeah they're, they're like jennifer aniston needs you to send her 250 dollars in amazon gift cards and then they do it and then they start tweeting at all of the jennifer anistons on twitter and saying like, "Yo, is this how you treat your fans? You're gonna like rip me off." <laughs> well, it seems like if you if you see any type of uh, any type of porn star or anything on Twitter, half their Twitter account is them responding to people saying, "I've I've never asked you for money." Uh, stop DMing me. Stop messaging me. I'd never talk to you. <laughs> like apparently, there's just all these guys. If you're anything, somebody creates a scam account, and then some guys like. 
Jenna Jameson is hard up right now, and she needs this money order. <laughs> like, I mean, look, what am I going to do? The thing I learned by reading reviews specifically of these guys is, like, they're just so fucking horny that, like, they are going to, like, give money to somebody. And they're mm-hmm. going, like, I read one where this guy, he's been a member of this place for 10 years, the Swingers Club, and he's, like, gets into a fight, and he's like, and you know what? It, it basically it boiled down to they ripped the guy off and he said i'm thinking about canceling my membership <laughs> it's just like you to, to cancel the fuck but it's like he stand he's they said it was going to be 60 dollars for a couple but it was 90 dollars. they charged him 90 dollars, and it's just like he's just standing in line and he's just so fucking horny <laughs> he's gonna spend the 90 dollars. they'll get the 30 dollars out of him <laughs> Uh, it is completely yeah. the I think you should leave honk if you're horny guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just wailing on that horn like <laughs> me. I am. Yeah. Can I wins relief? Can I get relief? <laughs> well, that was one thing we came up to on the whole show is like why won't these guys just jerk off? Yes. Why not? <laughs> it takes five minutes. Five minutes. It's- it's, it's a so P-top valve. They, <laughs> these guys, these guys need post nut clarity so badly, and they're just like, no. <laughs> they just if they had it. if they had that for a moment. Do you think they would mm-hmm. see? No, really. I'm Jennifer Aniston, sixty nine seventy two 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 four six seven asterisk. Like, oh, that might not be. Wait a minute. Might not, <laughs> might, not, be, might not be here. Might not be something. You got. You just gotta find something. Read a book, or I don't know. Fucking <laughs> yeah. Anything else other than run, run around the block. You know, <laughs> it's just something. Yeah. Um. Well, definitely check out guys. The podcast about guys. I love it. It's super funny, and I think all of our listeners will very much enjoy it as well. Um. It is time to talk about the album of the week. It's called Rising. It's by Stuck Mojo. Oh yeah. Uh, this is, this album came out March 3rd, 1998. A period of time we like to call getting the party started. That's right, Matt. Getting the party started in the new metal timeline. This is the third album by Stuck Mojo. What? Who are just, yes, it's their third record. Um, their, uh, their discography started with an album called Snappin' Necks in 1995. That's all. As all albums do. As all albums do. Uh, they followed that up with Pig Walk in 96, and then they dropped this bad boy in 1998. They are still an active band. They initial Their initial run was 89 to 2000, and then they broke up. Then they reuni- reunited in 2005 and are still going to this day. Their most recent album was 2016's "Here Come the Infidels." Yeah, They're, I, I think yeah. I I, I want to say this. I think mm. I figured out their politics. Well, I mean, it's impossible <laughs> in the first one second of the album. You're like, oh, oh yeah, okay, oh I yeah, it. yeah. Well, it was so funny. Is that like having you know having listened to your show, having listened to you know, and also following your excellent Twitter, Brian? You know, where you? I mean, I've learned so much about Man Cow that I never needed to know, but now I know. Like. One of our most impressive liars, prolific liars. He's the um, top man. He's he I, he. I I can give you a proof that he's the greatest liar. So Mancow is a DJ from Chicago, if I remember. He is, and let me tell you his greatest lie. Yes. So he at one point 
in the first year I was doing Shocktober, which is a series I do about these guys, he said that he was the last person to talk to Herve Villachez when he died. Tattoo from from the love Fantasy the, Island. Yeah, Fantasy I just Island. Called him on the phone. And then the next year we're listening, and he's like, Well, right before Chris Farley died, which they were friends, he's like, Right before Chris Farley died, I was the last person to talk to him. He he called me on the phone. And uh and we would goof about that all the time. And it would just be so funny to us and shit. Last year, while I'm doing the research, I find him saying he was the last person to talk to Brandon Lee before he died. And <laughs> what? No fucking way. Look, what? I'm about to go shoot this scene. That's what he says. He's like, he said, I'm not feeling good about this scene. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was the last guy to talk to the captain of the Titanic. He said, yeah, oh, it looks well, like uh, there's no visibility. We might hit an iceberg. There I is, said, there is be careful. Sorry, there is the test he took to be a blimp pilot where the person giving the test said that he tested higher than any other pilot has ever tested. Of, of course. Of he, course. Does he have a level of Kung Fu belt that they don't talk about that's like <laughs> purple and the test for it is to like rip the heart out of a charging bowl? He has the largest Ultraman collection outside of Japan. That of is, course he does. That's a big... <laughs> big one for him he, he really brags about that he, wow i the one of the first times i ever heard him was in 20 well this might have been like the second or third episode i'd done about him but uh i was listening to his show right after right at the beginning of 2020 uh where when we had the australian wildfires and he just goes on the air immediately and says like my friend Russell Crowe called me and told me these wildfires are really bad. <laughs> like, it's, it's like his house is on fire and he called man cow. <laughs> Why? Look, look, wait! I'm clearing us out of here. I have to call Chicago's <laughs> famous radio personality, man cow. Didn't uh, man, now? If I remember properly, man cow said. I could get waterboarded, no big deal. Yes. And then got waterboarded, and like 2.5 milliseconds into it was like, Mate, like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, he did. He did. He got waterboarded. Uh, some of the stuff about behind around that waterboarding, I've seen it before. It didn't seem stupid or bad to me, but a lot of people say that uh, the guy that was doing it wasn't was uh, faking being a soldier. And also that he didn't do it right. <laughs> but Van Cowell was, this is like a dude that wants so, I mean, it's it's the same kind of guy as, as like a lot of uh, the guys I cover. Like, he wants so badly to be talked to about, you know, uh, politics. So he'd be on Fox News. And this was his, he went, he ended up on Keith Olbermann. And it, mm. I think that was really the key here is that, like, he didn't have he got what he wanted because he got to go on Keith Olbermann and say, I used to think that waterboarding wasn't evil, but then I was waterboarded and now I think it's evil. <laughs> and then it's like, but it doesn't lead to anything for anybody right. ever. But they think that, like, this is just fucking I'll go on the news. Yeah, I, I can do something stupid and get on the news. And it's like they do. And then 
you know, either people remember you for the rest of your life as a racist like Don Imus or people forget mm. about you like man. There it is. But there I want to say, can I talk? I want to bring up about this album, the first thing, because I don't sure. know either one of you guys are going to know this. Hmm. Uh, the cover of the album has a yes. has a title belt on it. Now, yes. that is a WCW title belt, and it is the United States title. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm a firm believer that if you're going to put, I'm a huge wrestling fan, if you're going to put a wrestling title on the cover of your album, put the heavyweight championship title, like the one, not like a third from the like <laughs> mid-card title belt, just because I know. I look at that and I'm like, oh, so you're like intercontinental level kind of. Right. right I'm yeah, expecting, yeah, because yeah. yeah, my WWF days would tell me that Tito Santana is about to pull out <laughs> yeah. the intercontinental belt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to get like, yeah, the B minus guy, not not the, you're not going to get Hulk Hogan. You're going to get whoever the lower tier guy is. Yeah. Honky with the, Tonk yes. Man. It's the, Honky, it's the exactly. Honky Man. <laughs> this, this belt, although a WCW belt. And I think Honky Tonk worked both circuits before he before he went, but this would be his belt. Absolutely. Oh my God. Stupidest idea. It's so stupid. You gotta put the world heavyweight title. You if you're gonna put titles on or like would you put like the third place trophy for like <laughs> A, a minor league baseball tournament or something <laughs> well it seems well it seems pretty clear i mean if we talk about this is that this is not an album for the world this is an album for america no a mm -hmm. uh and that is a big part of it because the because the united states champion championship belt does have the actual uh map of the united states on it with a sort of flag of kind of a kind yeah when um, I look at this, mm -hmm. I'm going to say, I know these guys are from Atlanta, but I look at this belt and I think Texas, like immediately. This mm -hmm. this belt is the it has Texas's personality. It it's absolutely big, does. audacious, and there for no reason. Take that, Texas. Eat some shit. <laughs> Midwest coming out smoking on this one. So I couldn't get a physical copy of this album in time for this episode, and I regret it because I went on Discogs, and this looks like an all-timer CD to own. Um, we've got pictures of all the band members inside, and I'm just going to run through who's in the band uh, at this time because there's a couple iterations, and the current version is missing a couple guys from what I, I think would be considered the classic era here. Um, so on vocals, you got Bones. That's B-O-N-Z. Oh, That's cool. On guitars and backing vocals, you got Rich Ward. And you might be saying, what type of guy is Rich Ward? Rich Ward is the type of guy that has a, a necklace tattooed permanently around his neck. That's smart. And That's smart, though. In my opinion, mm. that's cheaper than jewelry. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, on bass and backing vocals, Corey Lowry, who in his photo is wearing um, a black T-shirt, uh, overalls on top of it. In his right hand, he's pench he's benching a fifty pound weight, and uh, over his left shoulder is the uh, the the belt, the the championship belt. Finally, on drums is Bud Fontseri, and he's also in. I realize all these photos were taken at the gym, and he's leaning over uh, on the uh, on a big weight stand here, like he's just did a bunch of reps. And I should mention, yeah, Rich Ward, no shirt, no shirt. Guns out, 
Buns Out, Guns Out for this guy. The other pictures in the uh, liner notes, we got a, a picture of the bands performing. They're flexing in one photo, and then in another photo, they're all asleep on the van because they're still normal guys. So you got to get them, got to get them winks in. And also some shots from the the video we will be talking about shortly for the uh, for the title track. And let me see what else is in this liner notes. There's no thank yous, which was I was stunned by. I thought there'd be some sort of thank you, but just the lyrics, um, which seem to be printed fairly legibly. So credit where it's due. On Wikipedia, their genre tags for this album are rap metal and new metal. Oh my! So we have the new metal tag. Producer on this album, Andy Sneep, if I'm saying this right, who I'd never heard of before. Have you guys heard of Andy Sneep? Nope. No, I don't. That has to be like an Atlanta guy, right? Like, uh, uh, wait, were, Bru- they were already signed, right? Yeah, they were signed. Um, Andy Sneep is from Derbyshire, England. Okay, but and- very much the opposite of Atlanta. Opposite <laughs> yeah, of Atlanta. He is, according to his Wikipedia, one of the most active music producers in the heavy music metal genre. And he's worked with Judas Priest, Except, Blaze Bailey, Dream Theater, Saxon, Opeth, Amon Amarth, Arch Enemy, Exodus, Megadeth, Cataclysm, Creator, Nevermore, Testament, Carcass, Fear Factory, Overkill, and Devil Driver. And... Um, he uh, he was one of the guitarists in the British thrash metal band Sabbath, and he is currently one of the co-guitarists in a band called Hell, and he's the touring guitarist for Judas Priest as of 2018. And then in this bit, which has to have been written by him or his his wife um of his production career sneep holds the distinction of having been credited as a producer mixer or engineer on all six of testament's albums since the gathering i'm like since the gathering okay including the collection of re-recorded material first strike still deadly as well as all nine of exodus releases since the live album other lesson in violence and i was like these are really weird stats like since this and then i went in and looked and like the gathering is the eighth album by testament like this guy is just some dude who came in the middle and then just never left like i don't know these aren't really like impressive like if he did every testament album i'd be like yeah throw that in the wiki but just saying like yeah he's just been around for a while is i don't know less impressive than i think he thinks it's a guy that wrote his own wiki oh absolutely situation here yeah (laughs) yeah i mean uh, I've I've told this story a few times on on other things, but like I have an uncle that is like really into Striper, and mm-hmm. like he traveled to California, six hour flight from here, to uh, go to a a Striper convention, and this is in like you know the 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 early two thousands, and it just it fucking blew my mind that somebody is like that excited for striper that like when you say like an testament's eighth album there's probably like twenty thousand people that think that's the greatest thing ever made Mm -hmm. yeah oh i mean hey we will do we will do an album on our show and it'll be like the third album from somebody and we'll be like ah you know this is this is just okay and there will be someone in the comments will be like first heard this album and you know i heard it at a time in my life and i needed it and it is the best thing i've ever heard sorry you guys didn't like it i'm just like 
There it is. Yeah. At some point, at some point, there's some album, you know, like right now, there's this, there's a new Rebecca Black album, the girl that did Friday. They let her make an album, and I've heard nothing but bad reviews of it. But there's somebody right now who's hitting, and it's hitting for them right now, hitting yeah. hard. And Any- in 20 years, they'll be like that Rebecca Black album got me through tough times. Anything tough times. that's ever been number one has mm. like a bunch of fans. I think is is the way yeah. that I tend to think about it is like anybody who's ever had a a, a number one album, if fucking Lou Bega, can mm-hmm. pack out a hall, and he he has huge fans just because like I don't know when it hits that wide of a net of yeah. people, mm-hmm. then right. Some people just gonna fucking stick around, and they blow my mind. I mean, I'm now making my living chasing down guys, so I right. know there are guys that are still way into stuck mojo that's oh, right for sure oh yeah and, and oh, like yeah. when i think about lou bega there's somebody whose personality is trying to get back to 1999 when mambo number five was hitting because that was the best time of his life yep <laughs> i mean that's how i am sometimes with these albums is like man you know i had this this moment with them when i was growing up so sometimes we'll go to review something uh, Cold Chamber was a really good, good one because it's like I probably haven't listened to that album since it came out, uh, you know, but I I love it. Like I think mm-hmm. it's fucking great, and uh, uh, so I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that like I remember seeing them in concert a bunch of fucking times when I was uh. uh 16 17 18 years old or if that's because it's actually like really good <laughs> you, you never know there's that line you're just like i mean it's it's, if it's in too deep with you i mean we we were talking about it recently it's like we know that corn is trying to disown all in the family as you know the incredibly homophobic wrong-footed song that it is but at the same time man i mean I can't not love it. <laughs> I was excited, but you don't have, I don't know if you guys would know that. I don't know how old you guys are, but like when I was reading alternative press and Rolling Stone and shit and corn.com and, and limp biscuit.com, I just remember like hearing about all in the family before the album came out. And I, I thought I was going to fucking explode if I didn't hear that song. <laughs> like, <immediately. laughs> Oh, I remember anticipation was like, listen, Fred and Jonathan Davis on the same song. I was like, how can this not win? How can this not be the song that I can't wait for? And I mean, for the summer that that album came out, I mean, I mean, local, our local station, 89X, I mean, they played the original and then they played the remix like nonstop. Like it was in rotation. Everyone was hearing that song. And I was just like, Corn did it, man. They knocked it out of the park. I was a non-stop. Uh, I non. I love that. I mean, I even think about like how much I loved Camel Tosis. Like that song <laughs> just blew me the fuck away. Or Ice Cube. Follow the Leader was a big, like, mm-hmm. and that was a Touchstone album. Well, it was an anticipation album. I'd been into Corn since 1994 is when I first yeah. got their first album and saw them in concert opening for Megadeth. So I I've been so into corn and I also am not a guy who thinks life is peachy sucks. I actually think it's really good. And it 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 is under under undeservedly bashed because mm-hmm. I think I think it's a- almost like 
a perfect corn album in that like they're starting to learn how to do stuff in the studio but it still has that kind of raw uh feel of the first album I, I just truly think it's great but like i remember freaking out every little bit of news about um follow the leader and what it ended up being was like i was most excited about songs that i skip now <laughs> like i'm not gonna listen like i'm excited to hear justin when i listen to fo uh, follow the leader or as i've said on my show my favorite new metal song of all time is my gift to you wow 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 that is something that is something well going back to stuck mojo <laughs> there's a very funny <laughs> there's a very funny uh citation here on the rising page it says rising sold over three million copies and then it says citation needed yeah I and that and i i don't know where i can't find any evidence of this and i find it hard to believe that this album sold three million copies do you, do you think because uh this album was very famously featured on monday nitro Mm -hmm. uh, they played the whole video for it, which playing music at wrestling is like, I mean, come on, <laughs> we're here to watch wrestling. I don't need a concert, but like they played the whole video on wrestling and maybe it is something like I was thinking maybe like singles plus albums plus all the albums put together. Maybe like, are they saying the band sold? three million album which is also impossible but yeah I, mean, I just i just feel it yeah there's no yeah there just seems to be no indication of like where did this initial claim come from how long has it said citation needed because it because it follows up and says that it, it was century media's highest selling album until 2004 when lacuna coils comalies broke that record um or comalize um and and Let we all see. have that record, right? We I all mean, have that all record. I mean, like who? Pops, yeah. I mean, who isn't listening to Lacuna Coil's "Comalize," an album I've never heard of? Um, according to this, that album has sold over three hundred thousand copies in the United States as of January twenty twelve. So I'm wondering if this is a situation where they put too many uh, commas here, and it yeah. shouldn't be three million <laughs> copies. It should have been three hundred thousand copies. I think you're probably. I mean, look, a song that was featured on one of the most watched TV shows at the time, like maybe they're also counting like this, the WCW CDs that got sold there, uh, uh, anything with the song on it. That's what I'm going to go with anything that included the song. And, and it, it, it also includes the 7 million people that were watching Monday Nitro that night. I mean, maybe it's just everyone who made contact with Rich Ward in the year 1998 was counted. <laughs> and every single one of them was like, he knew, he knew. So uh, maybe that's it. But so we have some nebulous numbers. We don't know if it's true or not. Um there was only one review uh, linked here. It's from All Music, and it basically is just like it's honestly like one of the lazier reviews that I've found on All Music. It literally just says it's by Steve Huey, 
and it says rising shows some musical growth from pig walk although stuck mojo still lose their musical focus on several occasions over the course of the album bones raps still seem a bit high and whiny to have the same crushing impact as this band's music and he wisely varies his approach trying different vocal styles initial pressings of the cd included a cdr copy of the video for the title track featuring several wcw wrestling stars and that's it yeah that's it rising. that's the whole review yeah, um I, I think i i uh uh there is this has all the necessary components of new metal especially the ones that i personally like a lot and uh uh which is rapping like it has rapping mm. and heavy riffs i don't care like <laughs> about the rest of it but they do take some swings in this and it's i don't know <laughs> i don't know if they worked for me <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We should probably get into it. So um, the first song on this album is called Intro, and it, it goes right into the second track, Crooked Figurehead. The United States in 1997, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, Whitewater, Chinese contributions laundered into the Democratic National Committee, dead attorneys scandals left and right missing files and what are we preoccupied with what to name his dog the united states in 1997 with the president of the united states a crooked figurehead So, yeah, right when I heard this song, I said, well, I definitely know why Brian picked this because these are these are these are some other guys for you. These are I mean, let's be real. These are some QAnon guys. This is pre QAnon QAnon kind of guys. They are just they're deep in it and they're so mad. They're so mad in a way that we don't always get on a lot of the albums that we do here where it's like a very focused mad on like I had a bad childhood somebody bugged me once but these guys have like a such a specific target that's going to immediately date this album in a way that a lot of the other albums we've done have not been dated you know what i mean like I would, someone's oh i'm sorry go ahead i would have loved to have been in a conversation with these guys about bill clinton like i would love to know like what what was making them so mad back then other than probably just on the road listening to Rush Limbaugh while you drive to your next gig. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's funny, though, is that a lot of the things that they're mad about, um, which seem to be – I mean, they they accuse him of basically giving um, – here it goes. Here, here's a lyric here from uh, one of the later verses. No screening for cabinet members. They just hire family members. Suicide a tight white lie from the CIA to the FBI. Janet Reno to the rescue protected your boss with a flaw in the law. Chelsea's fled the nest. Hillary's pissed. Her daddy runs the biggest gang. Better resist. 
I mean, half of these things are the same stuff that everyone's we all complained about Trump doing like 20 years later. Um, and it's just very funny that they are just like so upset. Like they, this is the lead off track on your album. And they're just like, we got to go in. We got to go in hard. <laughs> it does feel very much like uh, President Roulette. Like it could be it could have been about Bush and it's the same lyrics could definitely was about Clinton could be about Obama could be about Trump could be about Biden it's just hey man the figurehead changes but everything else stays the same man deep mm. state we all know it <laughs> yeah um this is when you I, find out that I'm like fucking nuts oh man what a time to reveal it i gotta say though the truth lauren oh matt here's the thing i gotta say though this song kind of (laughs) rips you know like i feel like there's i feel like the thing is that nowadays and brian you cover this a lot because you you got into a lot of that um incredible late era kid rock stuff yeah like like he's so caught up in like you can't tell me what to do, you know, fuck the establishment. But he's forgotten, like, the key element to, like, hey, get a party started, rip it up. He's like, I can't do it anymore. These guys are like, we're going to be deep in the weeds. We're going to be upset about very specific things. But also, we're still going to rip and shred your face off. And I had to admire that. Because yeah. they could, yeah, they're still doing that shit. Yeah, I, I mean, these guys, American Infidel is the most sort of a... Uh, right wing album title i think <laughs> of 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 most of these but yeah this this one uh the intro to this was mind blowing to me when i first heard it just because i think he thought like we'd be looking at the clinton era like we look at like lincoln or something like that which we do look back on it but like in 10 years I mean, I would I play this for my kid, and she would have no fucking idea what this guy was talking about. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Oh, I mean, I mean, I was a teenager through all of this, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I recognize like one thing, but seriously, all this is so lost in the fog. Well, also, this is pre-impeachment. This is pre-Lewinsky scandal. So it's like this guy should have waited. Like, a yeah, they had minutes. stronger material coming. <laughs> yeah but this would have been um, like s- some band doing you know the uh, watergate and us listening to it you know back then being like what imagine led it zeppelin is, did the whole watergate album <laughs> when they say white water it mm-hmm. is like oh fuck and i forgot all about white water and half the time when i hear that i just think watergate like as the same thing but it's like these motherfuckers are still mad about white water I, I don't even think I know what white water is. Wasn't it like a real estate scam? That's yeah. how little it's a very I know. boring scandal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, also uh, later on in it, they also um, accuse um, accuse them of using Air Force One for joyrides and letting friends rent out rooms in the White House to party. That's and so. yeah. I would do that I mean, too if I was in the White House. Honestly, yeah. that's one of those ones where I'm like, you know what? I don't see the problem with that. You know, I don't see the problem with that. Um, so off the top, even though we've got some wild, you know, questionable politics, it's still it's ripping, unexpected ripping. It's very um, yeah. Uh, all right, so then we go into into our next track, which is called Trick. 
There we go. There it is. Okay. <laughs> if they don't do that Yarl and they go into a flibbity blop, this is a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. People in this band have some kind of musical talent. I don't know mm. like where it is, but there's like organs and shit in it too. And uh, but man, I won't be tricked again. Damn. So bad. Oh, oh I hate a yarl. Oh. oh, it's amazing because this is they're mixing so much together here. You have these Rage Against the Machine vibes, but then you also have Anthrax and early Machine Head vibes. And then when they go into that, they're like, you know what? You know what I love? And they're like, what did you love? And they're like, I love all those parts on the first Stuntable Pilots record where he gets the bl- gets the uh, megaphone and is like talking about being Cracker Man. And they're like, all right, put it where you want on the album. We'll do it. And I really like Fight Like a Brave by Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, I wrote down... Um, I wrote down some lyrics I enjoyed. Uh, Let me see. Conspiracy, you step to me, then challenge. I managed to separate the facts from emotion. That's a lie. I get the notion you get a dose of the potion in mm. the backseat of the pimp mobile. You adapted your style for mass appeal. Sign your name and let's close the deal. Like Ned Flanders run in hell, excuse me while I curse the fools you failed. Talking about cool. these guys are so political. (laughs) These guys are like, we gotta lay it out. Every song in this thing is like, wake up, sheeple, slaughter's coming. Wake the fuck up. You're not Uh, ready for the awakening. You're not ready. (laughs) Not ready, baby. Uh, So I mean, and I wrote my notes. These guys continue to rip it up. Like despite all of this goofy stuff, they're just like, it's like you know what? It must be good old Andy Snape. He was sitting there and he was like, listen, say whatever the fuck you want. Say whatever goofball shit you want, but I need you to make sure you still rip. Yeah. I mean, they do. This album has 90% of what I like in a new metal album, but it has Mm -hmm. the Jarl, which anybody who listens to POD cast know that's a fucking big no, no for Mm -hmm. me. Oh (laughs) yeah. I've said Mm -hmm. this before. The closest I can get to the Jarl and enjoy it is um is aaron lewis stained only on the album dysfunction that's mm. the closest i can get i don't like because he has a little bit of that on mud shovel and mud shovel is probably my favorite stained song yeah easily easily the best one yeah and but he's still like the but then when it gets into it yeah it's it's like all right had a payoff yeah, yeah, it, and and it just—I will—I will fucking dock you a ton of points just for one instance of. <laughs> it was the difference when when I started listening to this stuff when I was sixteen, seventeen years old. That was the difference between new metal and grunge and shit like that. that I mm-hmm. was not a grunge mm. fan. I listened to rap the whole time grunge was big. So the difference between Pantera and Stone Temple Pilots was Scott Weiland's voice, which I, sure, people really fucking like it, but it does sound like oh, 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 sometimes. And, and like, so the line was very at the time i don't feel this way now because shit changes uh and mm-hmm. like society changes and shit like that but now that's all the same kind of music but like 
there there was a time where like the Jarl meant you're basically seven Mary three to me. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I get it. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Let's keep it going. Here we go. We got assassination of a pop star. Finally. Fucking this is the slammer here. Baby. This song has big body count vibes, big, big body count vibes, because we have a story here. And the story is that these guys, they've had it with these pop singers dancing around. That ain't real. And what does that mean? They got to take matters into their own hands and kill them. And uh, things get pretty vivid here. Um, the, uh, The lyrics I wrote down, city to city, I'm stalking you. But you think I'm following the group. I'm a groupie that you can trust as a Mount C4 under the bus. Uh, cyanide in your rider fr- uh, rider fruit snuck the blowgun darts by the black suits. Booby trap the stage. The crowd will be dazed when you go pop in a big old blaze. I love the over planning here. He's got poison in your rider. He's got blow darts ready to go. He's also rigged the stage, but also he's going to blow up the bus. Somehow, some way, he's getting you. But also, he's so excited. It's like, which one's he going to choose? How, what's he going to pick? Is he going to see for the bus? He, it's clear that he does not give a shit about collateral damage. This was good at the time. I mean, people, mm-hmm. you, you feel like a huge asshole saying it now, but we loved it when they took shots. It felt good. and it, it was like, yeah, I'm on this side of the culture war. And, like, mm-hmm. we're older now, and we're like, well, we weren't supposed to like that other shit. Like, it wasn't made for us, you know? Right. But we were in an eternal struggle with it. And you still see it now. Uh, you know, on my show, the the guys, I did the classic rock guys. And you, the way that they talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is fucking crazy. Like, it, mm. it, it a 60-year-old man freaking out because Missy Elliott's going to maybe be in a museum <laughs> is fucking crazy for me to think of. But at, if you had said this, like, to me in 1998, 99, I'd have been like, yeah, fuck this shit. The Grammys never get anything right. Excited. Instead of putting it in that list of things I don't care about at all, yeah. I've made it my personality right now. Yeah. Like. <laughs> You know what's yeah, well, bullshit? 
in sync's headlining this year's New Year's Rock and Eve instead of corn. <laughs> I mean, listen, last week was a I I did a bunch of retweets of these uh just a masterclass in guys like this when they were complaining that Metallica should have sang been the halftime act at the Super Bowl. Like there's oh, a of course a huge fucking ton of people that like that's their fucking pet project is Metallica needs to be the halftime at the Super Bowl. And I was like, I come from a time where fucking being the halftime at the Super Bowl is fucking dorky. Like you yeah. don't want to be that because it means you're too mainstream. And we need to bring back calling people sellouts is the only thing I can really think of. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's really funny to me how the uh, there was is that there we yeah to this Rihanna recent Super Bowl, which I thought was pretty mid. She's basically just stood there because she was a pregnant lady, and I remember I remember just saying like I didn't think it was good just because it was a pregnant lady walking around. It didn't that was not entertaining in the classic sense, and people were like mad at me for that. Because they were like, this is this is an important moment for pregnant women, Laura. Yes. I was like, are you serious right now? You were, they were, oh, yeah. I had to stop reading comments because people were like, you're, you're an unaccepting person, Lauren. This is a moment for pregnant women. This is a moment for black women. I was like, well, I don't know. Beyonce's been in a bunch of times and did a bunch of Beyonce, stuff. Like, this is everybody pretty much hands down says that she had one of the best. Super one of the, one of the best ones ever. Yeah. All time. But what? But it was really funny to also talk to somebody who said, yeah, I thought Rihanna did a really bad job. But you know who did a great Super Bowl? And I was like, here we go. And she goes. Tom Petty and I was like that Tom Petty Super Bowl I'm pretty sure he moved even less than Rihanna did <laughs> like yeah, right. I'm pretty sure he was like stone still and I love Tom Petty but let me tell you my man was I think that's a pretty undynamic situation but yeah it is it is so funny yeah because I I think about it yeah that there was that moment where yeah basically I mean go back to the era to TRL era and it was basically like Limp Biscuit versus in sync versus the Backstreet Boys every week on the countdown. With Christina you know. and Brittany in there. Exactly, exactly. And now, I mean, now people are like, you just everyone just likes everything. You we know, gotta kill optimism yeah. is what we gotta do. Mm -hmm. And also yeah. about the Rihanna thing, people will make. I know what this sounds like when I say this, but like right. people want their consumption to be political so yes. badly. <laughs> and yes. listen, I would also like my consumption to be political, but I mean, most of what most of what I get is unnecessary crap that's going to clog up the fucking ocean. And like, um, so they they are just like, you know, well, I didn't think it was very good. And it's like, well, but that's not very political of you when mm -hmm. when you say something that you don't like. And it's like, all right, whatever. I mean, there are people right now fighting about how it's not woke. To say that Ant Man sucked, and it's like, but Ant Man sucked, dude. Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, we're in a, we're in a reclamation era. Every bad, there's no more bad movies. You're not allowed to have a bad movie anymore. Every movie is important and a representational piece of work. I mean, uh, it has been amazing to watch a reclamation of the movie Jennifer's Body. Over the last few years, a movie that I saw in the theaters, thought it sucked pretty bad, moved on with my life, and now is apparently like a touchstone film for people that people feel are very important. And I was like, Jennifer's Body? Maybe watch more movies? Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, well, yeah, I would like to reclaim Young Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> a very important <laughs> movie to me about getting drugged and, and tripping balls.
<laughs> yes. Uh, it just, yeah, it, it is one of those things that's like, uh, and these guys are doing the same thing. It's culture war shit. And mm-hmm. like, there is always room for culture war shit. Like, there mm-hmm. is always money to be made mm-hmm. doing culture war stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and it is something to, you know, because you always see it, 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 it's, it's so easy to prop it on the one hand with the, you know, with the obvious Fox news stuff and everything like that, how they will, you know, turn it around of like, Oh, you're ignoring some, you know, right wing artist, whatever. But then you see it on the other angle and you're just like, I don't know, it might just be a bad movie. I don't think people are ignoring it because, you know, I mean, I think you saw kind of a pushback on it with uh, the bros thing. Uh, with Billy Eichner basically coming out saying this is an important movie, everyone needs to see my important comedy, and no one saw it. Like I, I will say this: that movie yeah. is good. Is it good? It is I didn't. So fucking I, funny. Oh well, okay. I mean, I wanted I wanted to see it, but it was one of those things where, like, as it came towards, it felt like it felt like less important to see because it was had this air of just like preachiness around it. And then I don't know. I think I saw. I don't know. I might have seen Tar instead. It's which the thing is for that, like, like the Billy Eichner movie and stuff, is that mm-hmm. it is incredibly hard to get people to go see a comedy in the movie theater mm-hmm. nowadays. Yeah. That's very true. And yeah. uh, it just is like, I, I, look, if I was making it, I'd be saying the same thing. <laughs> like, just because, <laughs> like, I want to make more movies. Yeah, it's very true. But it's very, very funny. True. I just, I have watched it. I would have never watched it, but my wife kept bringing it up because I was in the same boat as you. I was like, I don't like the, the way they're trying to fucking sell this movie to me. And then mm-hmm. my wife was like, can we please just watch it? And I was like, sure, let's watch it. And I was cracking up. I was like, this, this fucking thing is really well done. Well, there we go. All right. Well, I will add it to the queue. I won't um, get tricked again. No, there we go. Um, I want to say, though, we'll run around the room real quick. So which way would you say is the way to take out this pop star? Are you blowing him up with the C4? Are you killing him with cyanide, blow darts, or the booby trap stage? Matt, we'll start with you. I mean, I just brought up young Sherlock Holmes, so I got to go blow darts. There we go. Matt's blow dart guy. Brian, what are you? Oh, I I think, you know, for me, it's like killing them by blowing them up. Is That's the most Brian thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with that. All right, booby trap stage. I am. Um, I gotta say, if you're going through the effort of climbing under a bus to mount a C4 bomb that apparently is radio controlled, I'm gonna say go with that one. Nuke the bus. Safe. Uh, there it is. All right. Up next, it's the title track and the one with the music video. It's rising. rising. Oh, I hate that little bar. Come on. <laughs> he said it. He said the cream rises, rises to, to the, the to the top. So you know that it's never gonna stop. That's but how I might get... have to drop a bomb on Viet 
Mom. <laughs> well, well, Matt. Even better. The next, the next line is some cock blocking, others copying. Much love to the fans, cause we're still rocking. Haven't you heard the cream rises to the top? So they're they're in love with that. Um, they also call out Kinko's bands. There's there's a timely reference. Um, this and- stuff, this album, like, it's not that it's bad. It's just dated this Mm. like i can put on a different new metal record and get different things but the guitar tone in this is very late 80s it feels like it's just carryover guitar tone like it's not chunky or chuggy enough it's a little bit more trebly less bassy the way that the drums come in way thin everything on this is thin and then just come on don't you know the cream rises to the top? Therefore, we shall never stop. Why, one day I was a dandy fop, but then I was pulled over by a cop. And he told me, no, 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 stop. I mean, it's like, fucking, what are we doing? Matt, this is produced by Andy Sneep, who's from <laughs> New- <laughs> Derbyshire, England. He's <laughs> produced eight albums by Testament. All right? <laughs> Of course, he heard this and he was like, they're nailing it. I got no notes. He probably just came in and like, can you do the Wild Stallions thing every time? Not even Wild Stallions. Isn't that the sound that Wayne and Garth make when they like do swing? They go swing. I feel like maybe that's what they do. Oh, it's Bill and Ted's excellent. It is Bill and Ted. Okay, so I was right with Wild Stallions. Okay. So he comes in. He reminds me to buy Testament's 2022 release, Titans of Creation. And then he goes, you're being way too hard on Stuck Mojo here. No. No, this is 1998. I get it, but it's just like there were there was better hip hop happening. Way better hip hop happening. This is like solid 1988 hip hop. This is like Anthrax doing um I'm the man. I'm the man. Yeah. Oh, I love that mm-hmm. song. Ooh, yeah. man. But I loved Anthrax in 1980 whatever that was doing that because Walk This Way was happening, Run DMC basically rapped exactly like this. Like this was the style. And then 98, this feels like whoa, this ain't it, chief. What are we doing? Somebody well, really yeah. should have said something to the guitar player a few times on this album and this is the first time i wanted to get that out there it's like they needed to have a band meeting about that because it's bad but i mean listen they didn't have time you know honestly if anyone had anything to say it was probably being um drowned out by all the sounds of all the weights that they were picking up and putting down all that clanking and clinking in the weight room they just couldn't hear each other there was just no way they were just too busy getting those gains in you know um and that's that's just what happens sometimes there's no time in the band meeting for that um i wrote i got matt this uh, wait did you have brian growing up did you have z-rock was there a z-rock yeah, in your town Z-Rock. okay Aww. this is huge this whole album was like giant z-rock vibes and all i could think about was like they used to do a thing i remember the host's name but they used to have a theme night every night and one of the nights was like tattoo tuesday in which somebody would get tattooed in the studio. And so there'd just be the buzzing of a tattoo needle running under the show for three hours. And I was like, that's what this song is missing. And these, it's missing the buzz of a tattoo needle. That's all it's missing. Um, maybe the tattoo needle that tattooed on Rich Ward's permanent tattoo necklace. Um, 
perhaps. But uh, let's talk about this music video. This has got the band performing in a wrestling ring, a rabid crowd. This crowd is out of control. Diamond Dallas Page is there. There we a, go. A wrestling match is happening while they're performing. At a certain point, the wrestlers start attacking the band in what really looked like true attack. Like, at one point, they're strangling a guy, and I'm like, he's really strangling that guy. Like, there's no there's no way he's not strangling that guy. And DDP comes in, and he kicks everyone's ass. And when I say he kicks everyone's ass, he legit looks like he's beating the shit out of them. And it's shot, like, really well. Like, they're the violence the in the band? Or the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, so they're attacking the band. Then DDP comes in and he saves the band and he beats up all the other wrestlers. But it's like very effectively shot. So he's like really throwing everybody. And I was like, people got hurt. 100% people got hurt. They really sold it really well. And the other thing, though, is that DDP is wearing the tightest jeans I've ever seen. Yeah. And he is, he is, he looks like the most agile person in these jeans. Like, I'm like, are these jeans actually like secret tights? Like, I don't know, man, he was moving in this way. And also DDP looks like he's, he's got the body of like, I want to say like a 32 year old and the face of an 80 year old man. And he is just killing everybody. Um, so as a video, I very much enjoyed it because it seemed completely chaotic. And at the end, the ass kicking seemed really real. DDP, WCW, you are an expert, Brian. Talk us through a little bit. Was was DDP like top tier guy in '98? Yeah, I would. That's when DDP and this is the Carl Malone era and stuff. Where DDP was like Carl Malone's uh, tag team partner against, and he also did, I believe, somebody's gonna get so mad at me. Uh, <laughs> DDP and Jay Leno were a tag team for a while. Like DDP was the top babyface and wcw for a while uh i will say this though how you said it like this is still 98 so it's still like wrestlers are trying to protect the business so mm -hmm. when it, that means that like when they would get into it with somebody that's not in the business they would really beat them up so that it, it was mm. a silly thing well, I mean, it wasn't it, wrestling was much better when this was what was going on, <laughs> but it was just sort of a silly thing. That's why Hulk Hogan put uh, Richard Belzer in the headlock and yep. made him pass out or uh, the John Rest Stossel. in peace, Bells. Yep. The John Stossel thing was where, uh, uh, God damn it, I can't remember his name, but he punches him in the face and says, you think it's fake? Do you think it's fake? And like. So anytime wrestlers were like doing something with people from the outside, they still treated wrestling like it was real so that those people couldn't say that it was worked like it was back in the eight, 70s, 80s, up until, you know, right around 2000. I would say actually right. Yeah, right around 2000, like people started to just be like, it's fake. Like even the people doing it were like, it's fake. Calm down mm. a little bit. So it's probably with why they were beating their asses, but having having DDP in your video is a big get. Yeah. So yeah, I was very impressed. I mean, he was yeah, he's truly, truly whooping ass in this video at a level that I was uh not prepared for. So I, I my final note on it, good vid. Good vid. Enjoyed it a lot. Of course, every album's gotta make a turn, gotta take a turn. And of course, this album's turn is on this song, which is called Southern Pride. All right. But you do not want to see that title on a track. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, Matt, that's a little Bobo getting honked. Yeah, this is just. So this kind of sucks. Oh, right? Matt, you didn't even, you didn't even get into the lyrics here. I wrote down South of the Mason Dixon, finger licking good. Welcome to the neighborhood. Congeniality, hospitality go hand in hand. But don't diss a southerner. We're quick to take a stand. The South will rise again. Already there, Olympic City. 96 was our year. The weather's swell. On racism, we won't dwell. Because everything north of us, they won't tell. Right there. I was, like, floored by this line. This line, like, racism, we don't need to talk about that. Don't be bringing up any of our racist past. We're not talking about that. Because up north, you guys are gay. I was like, what? What are we doing here? What is happening? Invoking don't ask, don't tell in your... Oh, I was floored by this song. Floored. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing this mini-series for my um, uh, Patreon called Welcome to My TED Talk. Mm-hmm. And it is me and a different guest watching a half hour of TED and TED 2. And then reviewing only that half hour. Um, and I just wow. finished the first half hour. Oh boy. And uh there's six gay jokes in the first half hour of Ted. I can believe it. I can believe it. This is crazy amount. It's crazy to hear that shit, you know? And also, why didn't they just say there's racism in the north? Like, why right. does it have to be something? Because there is like a ton of racism in the right, yeah. and was at yeah. the time. So yeah. you couldn't mm-hmm. just say that and then you didn't have to go at you didn't have to like lump some people in didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. The, it really that that attack comes out of nowhere because I'm just like I just imagine just like a bunch of gay people going like, excuse me? What we don't have anything to do with you. Like don't bra- don't, don't drag bring us, us into this. Into this. <laughs> We're not involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck Mojo, a band we'll never listen to. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I'm one of the three million people who owns this album. <laughs> I know three million people going. Hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Um, and uh, what's funny though is then the second verse is uh, is straight up tourism board. We have an LA east of the Mississippi, lower Alabama. For, we're from Atlanta, the Carolinas. There's no coast finer than our coast. You know the South rocks the most. We love wrestling and NASCAR too. People right. down here make mean barbecue. From Freaknik to Bike Week, my religion is unique. My Southern bells like honeysuckle. Like, okay, all right, cool. Bike Week, can't wait. Um, I say wrestling was huge in Detroit and Columbus and <laughs> Evansville, Indiana. Like they they don't they don't get any fucking right to say that they are the ones that get wrestling although in the south there were grandmas like throwing rolls of quarters at guys (laughs) they did get a little bit more hardcore i mean it's funny though because there just seems to be it's always been though like this thing of like down south you know they do things like a little different do things a little little slower a little slower down here they do they do do things (laughs) i that was like the thing i hated about i went to new orleans and i was like oh my god i need you to pick it up a little bit this is driving me fucking crap i'm not asking for the go 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 new york lifestyle i'm from columbus ohio (laughs) you're barely moderate ohio speak yeah 
Uh, well, what's really funny, where I went to college, I went to college in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and I met all these guys who were from mid-Michigan who all had southern accents who all – yeah, like all acted like that. Yeah, like the middle of the Mich- middle of Michigan was the South, and yeah. we'd think we Lauren would do things a little different. All right, we'd do things a little different. We fish a little different, and uh, we snowmobile a little different. And fish I was like, "You're different. you're from Midland. What are you doing? Why are you talking like that? I don't understand." You know, it's real tough when you're from Durand. Uh, <laughs> yep like, what basically fuck are yep. you you are literally yep. an hour north of me uh yeah over here in, uh just outside of traverse city what are you doing why are you talking like that yeah, me- i like my girl's big thighs and american pies i like the big old flag in my eyes open wide i like drinking a beer in a truck with a, with a hitch and if you cross me i'll keep making my bitch basically i grew up in if you had asked any of the people that grew up with me in like basically a farm town or like redneck heaven or whatever like that Mm -hmm. i grew up 10 minute drive away from downtown columbus ohio (laughs) literally 10 fucking minutes (laughs) like and it was just like uh uh um a different world actually and and there are people that never left there because they just think they found like this perfect southern kind of thing and i'm like well you know the cops in the south are horrible for number one so Mm. you don't want to be from there (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean heck i experienced something similar to that when i lived in pittsburgh for four years you had basically the people that did stuff in the city and then you had all of these various yinzer type people who said things to you like I never go through the tunnel. Yep. I don't go through the tunnel. I was like, how do you not go through the tunnel? There's like all this stuff over there. And they're like, nah, I would never go through the tunnel. I was like, oh, good Lord. Okay. I mean, we're from the Detroit area. Well, I, my I, in-laws are afraid to come to Columbus, Ohio. Down, to, can, mm. I'm afraid to come to my house because I live downtown. Like, you have no idea my neighborhood has like picket fences and shit. Like, it's definitely yeah. nicer than where they live, which is in a modular classroom. Uh, outside of a, a old one-room schoolhouse <laughs> in a town that's an hour from anything. Well, I mean, I remember my mother uh, was a Detroit school teacher for 30 years and then retired and then apparently forgot that she used to d- drive and work in Detroit for 30 years and grew up in Detroit. So when my sister said she wanted to get married at the Detroit casino, she said, well, we can't do that because we'll all get shot to death. That's a direct quote. <laughs> Um, and I was like, um, what, 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 what's going to happen? And yeah. then everyone started crying and I said, okay, we're not going to cry anymore. And, um, so that was the end of that. But yeah, my, my mother wouldn't budge on that one. Um, but clearly she won cause none of us were shot to death. That's so true. there yeah. she, she, she got us there. She got us there. You know, I just imagining somebody, it's just well, one maybe person she getting knew shot. Of a pop star who was in town the same night in a wayward got... band that was hell bent on assassinating. <laughs> Blew them. them up. Blew them up. That's right. Um, were they in? You know, I... Were they in enemy territory? Perfect, Matt.
Yep. There's the crappy don't, part. No, don't fucking Jarl and chains me, you son of a bitch. You're getting Jarl and you're getting chains at the same exact same time. So I'm assuming, Brian, you said you're not in a grunge guy, so you're not an Allison Chains guy. No, nah, I, I I don't like Allison. Brian, <laughs> welcome to the fold over here. <laughs> We're buddies now for life. <laughs> Uh, yes, it's an ongoing thing. Matt and and Jenny, not Allison Chains fans. I I love Allison Chains, so so it's always been a bit of a push and pull. Um, with, on this one, it was very funny to listen to this in my car and think, wow, this is uh, enemy territory. What are we rocking out about here? Are we talking? Are we getting political again? What are we talking about? And then I got got into the lyrics, and this song is about how every night they get on stage in a new town. And they treat every performance like war. And every oh, stage is enemy territory. And they channel all their music from a place of pure rage. I love songs like, about performing live. <laughs> like, that's one of my favorite, like... Great trope. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is great. Yeah, well, we've all had that experience. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm reminded of that incredible song from Device, The Haze. The haze of the live performance. Remember that one, Matt? <laughs> Dude, Draymond, Draymond could wax poetic about what he does for the rest of his life, and I will still try my best to ignore it. <laughs> I, I, I periodically catch up with every single video of David Draymond being interviewed on YouTube. Periodically, I'm just like, oh, I got to check in on Draymond because mm. I could listen to him be interviewed for the rest of my life. Oh, he uh, yeah. he has a pomposity about himself, which is unmatched. And then, like, he'll say something that is like kind of self-effacing, or I'll bring himself down a little bit and be like, you know, I feel like I've grown a lot since the last thing, last last time I've been around, and I've learned a couple things. And the main thing I've learned is that Mother Earth is a sacred entity that needs to be worshipped and uh, that I am the only <laughs> vessel of which it can be worshipped through. So uh, we got that going for us. To, uh, we, the sickness turns 25 this year. He's, I, I, you just mentioned device. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know about the device YouTube page? Oh yeah, when we did our oh, device good. app, we did every single one of those. You we may just have basically told us actually something we did. Me. Yeah, think, that, yeah, the greatest thing in the world. It is. I think. I think actually. I think maybe John told me that you guys were about to do some Draymond stuff, and I was like, if you haven't seen these videos, you need to watch them. Oh no, I sent it to you, and you were like, oh shit, oh whole new level unlocked. Yeah, yeah he's great. It, it's amazing. Um, so with this one, I was like, okay, that's one way to view live performance as if you're at war. It'd be crazy if every performer treated it that way, you know, <laughs> Justin Timberlake, like, all right, we're going out there. We're going to do rock our body, but I want you to remember this is our nom. Let's fucking go. <laughs> like, it's interesting. Cause they also treat it when pop stars are on stage, like war and they want to mm. blow them up with C4 and, and whatnot. Um, why do they well, say enemy territory? I guess it's that thing where like you're you're for you know you're uh, when you first start as a band you're opening and you're playing in front of like four disinterested people and mm. you have to tell yourself like you have to say to yourself like I'm gonna win over all these people and I'm gonna play like there's four thousand people here. But you don't really do that, and everybody's like got bad body language, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing, nothing goes well for the first like year of live performance. 
Well, it's funny because I wonder, like, I wonder, like, I'm like, were these guys, were Stuck Mojo in that era, were they as combative as they present to us? Because they're presenting to us as, like, badass guys who don't give a fuck, who are, like, working out at the gym, who are just, like, sweating it out. But it's like, are they getting that, like, into it with, like, an indifferent crowd? Because, like, the only time I've ever seen a band, like, engage with an indifferent crowd that they just let us know they did not give a fuck was when I saw At The Drive-In open up for Rage Against the Machine in front of a, like, half-full crowd of disinterested people and say, all right, this next song goes out to all the date rapists up front. And I was like, God, these guys truly don't care. Like, I don't know if Stuck Mojo are going to go there, you know? Like... I don't know. Once again, though, we got some heavy riffing. We got some chug. We're channeling rage. This was a great car album, I'll say. On my listens, this thing really knocked it out of the park in the car. Uh, Matt, what do we got next? Uh, we're back in the saddle. Oh, yeah. you don't know how bad I wanted this. Back in the saddle again. <laughs> wow. That would have been amazing. That would have been great. I thought it would be. I was getting all excited. Like, oh, there's a cover? Nothing more new metal than a cover. See? voice to do yeah mm-hmm. but like yeah. everything else in this song sucks and when the guitar comes in right away i'm like this nope not in my new metal i don't know what kind of new metal these motherfuckers are listening to <laughs> but i ain't putting up with that fucking yeah no. like Motley new metal new metal is not guitar heroics time no we threw no. extra strings on just to sound extra chuggy like yeah well it's funny to think about this album is the same year as follow the leader and follow the leader sounds to this day like think about that think about that this album sounds like 50 years old this album sounds 100 years old follow the leader sounds fresh out of the rapper compared to this album it does this yeah the 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 solo shit the the hey we're also kind of like pantera like Mm -hmm. that doesn't work for me when you're rapping you know like no. i did uh, there are like two songs where phil kind of gets close to, mm-hmm. to rapping and one of them's my fate one of my favorite songs but uh like it, it's two different things i was a big pantera fan at the time but there were a lot of people that were into the same shit that i was into that were like well pantera is like you know regular metal we'll put them with like metallica and anthrax and all the sellouts now i disagreed with that i loved pantera i put them at the top but they're not a new metal band 
and mm-hmm. they have guitar solos and it feels like they're trying to like channel that Dimebag Daryl. We can also play guitar and it's like we don't fucking care if you can play guitar, dude. <laughs> Like, have you listened to the other music in the genre? Yes. Yeah, it's it is funny. Yeah, there's still this sense. It's it's like holding on to something. It's like we're still gonna hold on to that older era still. And it's like you guys are, you know, you've got the rapping, but you're still, yeah, you feel like you're on the way out. And plus, you cannot make a line hard crushed boo hoo like boo hoo. What? That is like a yeah. little baby words there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the other one, fucking with Jezebel's, nah, wedding bells. Jezebel's? Oh, Who wrote this? Someone from married? the 1920s? They're wife guys. Now, that's interesting. I'm going to, I have wife guys on my list. Ooh, wife uh, guys. Of guys. That's a good. These guys. What's are, a wife guy? You don't know what a wife guy is? You don't know what wife guys, Matt? It's like, you know, my wife is the most important. Like, every day they post about their wife and how important their wife is and their wife Ooh. and kids. And, and like, uh, uh, they share memes. Like, they'll have the same YouTube or they'll have the same Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're just, like, inseparable. And, like, the dude oh. doesn't have friends. He just has his wife. Yeah. yeah. And we'll brag about that. Like, I don't need friends. I have my wife. You know who's good wife, guys? Are the ones that will wear the shirt that says uh her babe and she wears one that says his you know what i mean like yep. a yeah get situations yep. like mm-hmm. that's a wife guy right there yeah, yeah. okay yep. yeah uh matt were you having a moment where you thought that maybe you were a wife guy well i just didn't know what it was because I, I, matt mm-hmm. i'm a wife guy <laughs> every day you're just like you know, I didn't believe in angels until I met her. <laughs> <laughs> and then however many days going strong. Yeah. I Hashtag am, very... one love, one life forever. <laughs> I'm very wife guy. I will like tell my kid, like, I love uh, your mom more than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how wife guy I am. I'll look my child right in the sockets and I'll be like, you are number two. I fucking knew her before I knew you. Okay. You just remember that. Yeah. Forever. Forever. Uh, Perfect. Perfect. Um, All right. So um, we thought this one was going to be a cover. It wasn't a cover. This next one I had to say is also not a cover. It is not a PJ Harvey cover. It is called Dry. Oh, my note for this is good, guys. All right. Now, 
Now, Matt, you're probably listening to this song and you're thinking, these guys are pretty cool. How cool are they? How cool well, are they, Lauren? Well, the second verse goes a little like this. Rah, rah, sis, boom, bah. Green eggs and ham, blah, blah, blah. Your mouth can't run with a broken jaw. Rah, rah, sis, boom, bah. You got me caught up in the name game. Why? Because the competition is lame. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Creating scre- schemes to destroy my team. Liar, liar, pants on, pants on fire. Got past every member of this band and Andy Sneap to get to our ears. Well, old Sneep thought it was thought it was a chant to keep away scurvy, so he's fine <laughs> with it. He's like, "Oh, that sounds original. I like that a lot." Ooh, uh, Brian Yeah, very much more uh interested in Ra Ra Sis Boom Ba, which is like, are were these guys born in 1957? <laughs> 23 skidoo and how are you? It's hard I mean, to it's When off. you have no teeth, it's hard to chew. What the fuck? These lyrics suck bad. They could be referencing I Love Lucy just as likely as they could be referencing something they saw in like family ties, you know? But like the the rah rah sis boom ba is wow fucking crazy that they made put that lyric on here. I'll bet you if you ask them now, they'd be embarrassed about that one. You you would have to be like you've got to be a little embarrassed about dry because I you think- know what I, I I'm looking up while we talk I'm gonna look up a current Stuck Mojo set list just to see if any of these songs are still being played live. Why I'm curious? The, why is the song open like Kraftwerk? Like like on Eve Eve and then and then I just wrote another bunch of bad lyrics. This album might have the worst lyrics of any album I've ever seen. <laughs> the lyrics for this album are fucking legendarily bad. You know, I haven't reviewed as many new metal albums as you guys, but I'm going to tell you, of the ones that I've reviewed, this one's brutal. Like, the lyrics on this one are just... And maybe it's because, like, I have left-wing politics or something like that sure but most of it just actually sucks and it doesn't have anything to do with politics and i listen to right wing like i love country music i fucking like jamie johnson and and like hank williams jr so that also isn't an excuse but there is an these lyrics are very amateur like it's very when so i'm 45 and when hip hop happened, people would make fun of rap lyrics with this kind of stuff. You know, where it's like, rah, rah, sis kumba. I've got a cobra. Ah, ah, ah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, my, rap I'm is, you know what rap rhymes with? Crap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. you didn't do that. Well, well, my name is something, and I'm, and here, I'm here to say. say. I would have expected that on this. Uh, that's the level. And you know what? New Metal did have a rap, uh, a bad rap when it came to lyrics. That wasn't like a pun. It was like that their raps had the most idiotic lyrics of uh, any uh, of like anything out at the time. And they did. Like Limp Biscuit has mind blowingly stupid lyrics. And this mm-hmm. album seems like it has like worse than Limp Biscuit lyrics, but with no charm at all. Zero charm. And a mm-hmm. lot of it is delivery, right? Like if Fred says, 
you know, we be digging this shit right here. L-I-M-P Biscuit is right here. I know that is not a good rap. But it serves the song. Stuck Mojo is kind of stuck in this delivery of this is the setup. This is the punchline. Here's another setup. Here's another punchline. Like they're very stuck in that A, B, A, B, or A, A, B, B, C, C rhyme delivery. And like the, again, like I cannot believe that Follow the Leader came out the same year as this. That is mind blowing to me. Like, I'd rather like got the life bodies this album. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. how bad this out. And I covered bodies on uh uh the POD cast, just the song. And I said that's the best single we've ever done. Ever of all the singles we've done. Now I was like, I just loved it. It was like really fun. And then so when I picked this album, I was expecting to just be like over the moon for it. But when I hear somebody say rah rah sis boom ba, it's just not gonna fucking happen for me with these guys. Uh so I found uh, a set list. Um according to setlist.com setlist.fm, they haven't done a show since February fifth, twenty seventeen at the Independence of the Seas venue in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. But there's no posted set that sounds list like a for boat. That. Is that a cruise? Is it, it, might like be. Rock and roll it might be a cruise. It was, oh, it was part of 70,000 tons of metal 2017. Definitely so, yeah. a cruise. Yeah. Uh, but the last set list that was posted is from Brutal Assault 21 in uh, Joramar, Chechnya, or Chechnya. And the set list is, only has two songs from this album. It has Rising and it has Throw the Switch, which we haven't gotten to yet. Other songs uh, on this set list, though, the song Pig Walk. They opened with Here Come the Infidels, and they also played a song called Rape Whistle. Yeah, so, I saw that on their Twitter. They yeah, recently so, posted that. Oh, there you go. And then if you go back to 2014, when they played um, a reunion show at Heaven at the Masquerade in Atlanta, Georgia, they did seven songs from this album back in the saddle crooked figurehead enemy territory rising southern pride throw the switch and trick it opened with pig walk they closed the initial set with southern pride so well i'm there looking you go. at yeah i was looking at uh, uh these guys and i think i figured it out their guitar player is in fozzy so boring mm. all the time so my guess is like his money's made in Fozzie and getting a thing back together is difficult. <laughs> Not going to happen. Mm. That can happen. You got to put uh, food on your family is what we you've say. Gotta put, you've got to put food on your family. Absolutely. Okay, then you know what? Let's get to it. It's throw the switch. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Should be a 
guys, the throw the switch line I do really enjoy because this song is like so ghastly. And I was listening to my car and I'm like, I have a feeling when I go home and I dig into these lyrics, this is going to be a pro capital punishment song. Oh, yeah. And it is. And it is. Like these guys were just like, these guys had a list of boxes to check that no one else <laughs> has ever had. Like they were like, like everyone else is like, you got to have a ballad and you got to have a ripper and you got to have a pit activator. And they're uh, over there our like, our list is <laughs> white water must be mentioned. <laughs> got to mention it. Uh, got to have a cheerleader chant. Ra Ra Suskumba. We got to talk about blowing up the new kids on the block. We got to talk and- about the North being gay. <laughs> got to be in there. And uh, also, we gotta have a pro death penalty song. Gotta be in there. Gotta be in there. Andy, you get it. You get it, Andy. A pro death death penalty song is a wild. I mean, I know what they're doing. At at this point, it becomes very obvious that they're they're angling to. They know that conservatives will buy anything with their mm. politics. I I think that's been so well documented over the years that like. It's like sort of a fine-tuned machine now that we don't really think about very often. Mm-hmm. Like we yeah. don't really think about the fact that like you just say that like that you can say like uh, my kid isn't getting into college because they're white, then start a GoFundMe and mm-hmm. make a billion, <laughs> make like right. two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that. And it's like uh, they they I would guess figured that out if uh, again like i said when they're on the road you gotta like i always think about what's on the radio uh at the Mm -hmm. time that you're doing stuff and at the time you're listening to howard stern in 98 uh don imus uh rush limbaugh those are like the biggest Mm -hmm. radio shows Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm gonna tell you i am like i was a huge talk radio fan because i was in a car all all fucking day in a, in a cable truck all day and like i just needed to hear people talking i i didn't want to look for music so i'll bet you these guys are on the road they have all this time to listen to stuff and they're listening to right-wing radio uh as they crisscross across the united states and start to really understand that if like hey if you know if if sh- not Sean Hannity might have been around at that time, but you know, if one of these guys mentions us or plays our song on their show, if a bunch Rush of people just go if buy Rush the drops, fucking throw the switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what. Yeah, it's like if we can just be the bumper music for one Rush set, man, we got it made. We got it. When all he's set. talking about Robert Rush, yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's funny because, like, uh, you know, the the show I did before was, like, very explicitly, like, a leftist show. And, like, uh, the joke among me and, you know, my friends, I, I'm friends with, like, uh, guys from Chapo Trap House and, and like, uh, uh, YKS and stuff like that. The joke is always, well, I could do the conservative arc and make a lot more money than what I'm making now. <laughs> like, like somebody will pay me a shitload of money like Diamond and Silk for not having any like discernible talent. But like mm-hmm. I you just get to be a millionaire for the rest of your life. <laughs> right. You just you just have to be willing to sell out all your values. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You have yeah. to be ready to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, you know so, what I say. What do you I say? say? Hang them high. There it is. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, the coolest. Throw the switch, dude. Because it kind of could also be about uh, how we play electric guitar. Throw the switch. Hit that awesome pedal. <laughs> what the fuck is this? If someone comes on and tells me about a dusty road, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, this is Tears, right? Uh, this is Hango High. Oh, who's this one? Oh, uh, I'm reading it. I'm like looking at it right now. <laughs> because throw the switch sounded like Throw the switch was a uh, was also a death penalty song, right? Or am I yeah. wrong about that? So hang em high is also a death penalty. That's song. right. So we just covered two forms of the death penalty: electrocution and hanging. Yeah, hanging. Beautiful. They didn't even put um, injection in there. They probably think it's too good. Uh, so this song, um, this is about betrayal. A song oh, about betrayal. Oh. You used to be my friend, but now you're just a backstabber. It's got a ton of Yarl. It's got a ton of riffs, but it's still, once again, just that Scott Weiland Yarl is all I'm hearing on this. Overwhelming everything else. It, um, it has a line, the, you need a miracle pill. Do you need I like some that lyric. shut up juice and a miracle pill? <laughs> Real jerk store energy here. Real this. jerk store energy. You want to take me on? You're gonna to have to get a miracle pill. You want a blowjob? You got a blowjob. <laughs> it's the uh, famous threat from uh, mm. one of our neighborhood kids who didn't mm. know what a blowjob was. Oh, there you go. You I love a good. One. You got one. Okay. I mean, I mean, I still go back to the old one. You know, I I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. And it's you like eat you eat pieces of shit? of shit for breakfast. Gross. Uh, so, so it's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed about the line. You need a miracle pill. Like, I'm really embarrassed by that because he's not saying like a miracle drug, like like a panacea. He's saying like you need a pill that gives you miracles, which to me is i mean they make fun of icp for that song this should be the song we're making fun of <laughs> well let me tell you the thing about icp though that is that the, what we learned when we covered the amazing jekyll brothers is that they're crazy yes and that is what takes it over the top these guys are shockingly boring and sane yeah. and mm-hmm. and you know and they and they're trying really hard like they're sitting there and they're just like we got to go so fucking hard. We got to go so crazy here. And I'm so mad at this guy. He's going to need miracle pills. Yeah. You know, and it's like, guys, you don't, you know, you just don't have it. You just don't have it. No. Um, and they're so, the yeah. most C-level new metal band out there. There's like, and you guys would know better than me, but this was like an album that I would buy listen to four times and then never listen to it again. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it also is that considering it in the, the realm of, yeah, like corn and everything. I just think about, so when I feel like Matt, you'd probably remember this Z rock ended at a certain point and got yep. bought 
by Ted Nugent Correct. in Detroit, and, and he turned that the station bear. the bear. And I remember that feeling like this moment where it was like, okay, the boomers are upset about how rock has shifted into this new metal zone and they don't want to accept it. And that feels like that feels like this here. You know, this because like you said, this sounds a million years old. Cornfile the leader, same year, sounds fresh as a daisy. Um and Fuck yeah, me. this is just yeah. Significant other is ninety eight or ninety nine. Ninety nine. Okay, yeah. yeah. The song nineteen ninety nine. It's on it. But yep, it, they put it in there. But I mean, it's like it, coming out like less, probably less than a year from this, and it's just worlds apart. This is these guys are destined to like. If uh, the one guy didn't get into Fozzie, these guys were like destined to be like part of like the non point. I pledge allegiance to kick ass fucking tour circuit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I pledge allegiance to kick ass in the United States of whip your behind. You're <laughs> cursed to be on like endless, like playing first in front of like taproot, like three quarters of taproot and saliva. <laughs> Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, really, the vibe I get from this album, though, there's if if someone sat these guys down, they'd be like, "Do you guys think the kids don't get spanked enough anymore?" And they'd all be like, "Give me the mic, give me the mic." Yes, I want to agree so hard. Yes, spank your kids. Like, uh, yeah, this is a big pro spank your kids album. Even though I don't think that actually comes up on this, I don't think they bring that up. Oh, I bet it does. If you like, really give. <laughs> well, I mean, the last song might have a little bit. Of, mm. of that energy to it it might it also might racism but yes. also that energy <laughs> yes uh matt what we got next oh we're gonna shed some tears together boys there we go it's not it's right here. Like, please I, welcome I, to the stage destiny i'd rather Just, listen to fucking uh i'd rather listen to like motley crew or like almost anything else than these guys do this. Yeah, play Terry Pie instead. Oh, this sucks. So, All right, that's really so, bad. So this song is about how your heroes are going to fall from grace and die and how sad it's going to make you. And the subjects that they use in the song are O.J. Simpson and Tupac. Oh, they both did die. So they are. Well, O.J. <laughs> well, fell from grace. Big time. Big yeah. time. And Tupac did die. Yeah. And so that's that's the basis of this song. That they're shedding tears because yeah, that no one no one is innocent. And these these people were either taken from us by their deeds or taken from us by bullet. Let's um let's check out another album that came out in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, little, Matt. A little album called Devil Without a Cause. <laughs> that one bangs. And that dude fucking half that's like three quarters just songs he had laying around 
And oh my god 10 yes. times better than this oh yeah a lot of those songs were on other albums he released <laughs> early morning stone pimp i think had three songs that were on devil without a cause yeah he had those songs forever because he toured them in the ritz in roseville every fucking weekend for like four years before he hit yeah, I I, mean, I, yeah. I did a full series called American Podcasts. Okay. Uh, and it was all about <laughs> Kid Rock. It was just five episodes of a podcast about Kid Rock. And the early the early morning stoned pimp era. That shit was good. Like he was That was his best era. Something. Yeah, he was really doing. I wish he didn't like hang out like i wouldn't even care if he was conservative if he wasn't like such a trump ass kisser you know what i mean mm, yeah like, he's a president that makes you not badass <laughs> right yeah it's yeah well it's also funny is that um yeah it seemed like yeah well he's somebody who decided at a certain point i am going to make it more about being right uh in my appoint my views than it is about just writing a kick-ass riff and a kick-ass song. He's like, no, I want to There was I that weird thing pissed. where it was like picture hit. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like, well, maybe I'm a country artist and not so much a rock and roll rap artist anymore. And then he was like, but that Warren Zevon riff kind of kills. So. I love that song. That's one of my favorite songs. On my Spotify rap, it was the third most listened to song of the year. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like a huge uh, fan. I don't know why. There's two songs. He has two songs that are like probably in my top 10, and that's only God knows why. And uh, all summer long. <laughs> like, those are just two songs that get me. Wow. I, um, I worked with a woman who briefly dated uh, someone in the inner circle like I want to say like assistant to uncle cracker or something like that. <laughs> and she got to go to his house and I want to say the early two thousands. And she indicated, she was telling the story to all of us one day. It was like at lunch. And she's basically indicated that there was incredibly heavy cocaine consumption going on oh, yeah. because everyone, they would just be talking and then someone would just stand up and leave and go in this other room for like 30 minutes. Yeah. And then, and then, and then they'd come back and then somebody else would go in or then two people would go. And she's like, what's going on in there? And they were like, don't go in there. Just don't go in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cool room. Yeah. He's blowing in bubbles in, the, in their butts. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. love getting called into the cocaine room. That's like a fucking <laughs> real pleasure. I mean, also, cocaine is a real pleasure. <laughs> uh, so um, I will say this, right. though, before yeah. we move off of Kid Rock, we, yeah. we get, for one of the Rocket Pods, we got to meet Kenny Olsen. And that dude's a stand-up dude. Really, very, very nice really man. nice guy. All right. Very nice man. Hey, uh, Lauren, um, how are you? Rock and Pod. I'm so sad that I didn't know about Rock and Pod. Well, listen, it's... Know. This year's Rockin' Pod's going to be the biggest one ever, and that means that the next one's going to be even bigger. And I think you can definitely get in there. Maybe I'll 2024. I'll, I'll fuck we should it. all do Rockin' Pod again. Rockin' Pod in 24? All right. Maybe if okay. I can get John, a, I'm going to try to get John a work visa this year in the United States. To there him, it is. Him and my buddy Chris, uh, who was on the first episode of my show, I'm going to try to, I'm going to pay to get them the ability to work in the United States so that we can do EOD cast live shows, which we've only done two 
and one of them we had the whole crowd sing along to Macy Gray's I Try. That's a good crowd. That's beautiful. Hey, Lauren, how respectful of our time is this album? Well, Matt, that's a very good question. I think it's 46 minutes. I can I can help here. I because I look at thank you. I look at that's the first thing I look at anytime. 46 minutes. Brutal. This is a 46 minute and 24 second album. Three quarters of a great, great British bake off. And uh, and you know, um, Brian. Generally, the we we asked how respectful of her time an album is, and Jenny created basically the basis of that. Basically, if you are under fifty minutes, then you're generally considered respectful. If you're over fifty, then you're not being respectful of our time. But then you get an album like this, which is forty six minutes long, but often feels like it's eight, an hour. Yeah, this one um, felt long to me. It really definitely. Did. I was hoping. I was very surprised to learn after my first listen that it was only 46 minutes long because um, it did feel a heck of a lot longer. Um, so what's next? I didn't know this until I went in the wiki. What's next is the actual final track. And then if we had the CD, we'd then have a secret track. So ah. this is the final official track, which is called Pipe Bomb. My only joke for this is this has to be right thing. <laughs> <laughs> This one goes out to Ted Kaczynski. I heard silent majority and the militia. Okay, thank God they got to Coward, because for a minute there I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, so yeah, the first time I listened to this song, I was like, is this like... A pro, pro pipe bomb, bomb guy, and I'm then a at real the end, big I'm like, fan of Timothy McVeigh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, very fucking Nazi. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but this, to it, I think this is a real Nazi song. <laughs> uh, but no, what it it is actually seems to be is it, it's an anti anti bomber song, um, but it also seems to be referencing the fact that there was a guy who tried to blow up the '96 Olympics. Which ruined it oh, for them, shit. and they and they're they're still mad about that. So they're mad about it. So this is an anti anti pipe bomber song. Uh, but they also bring up like the rider truck stuff, which also seems to be like a like a um, Oklahoma City yeah. reference too. Um, which you know, just fun things to put on your album. These freaking you know? bombers are ruining all the fun, man. Yeah, which you know what? That's a fact. It's this true. Song, this song felt so Nazi to me that it would probably be illegal to include it on the album in Germany. Like that is how <laughs> this song made me feel. I was like, holy shit! They're saying all the stuff. Silent majority. Uh, vigilante is like a super right wing thing. But I mean, honestly. They're probably so stupid they don't they don't know that any of that stuff sounds that bad. No, I mean, yeah. Ultimately, they were like, "No, we we were very upset that you almost ruined the '96 Olympics for us, and or you did ruin the '96 Olympics for us, and we're calling you a coward." 
A coward, coward, hey, hey. We'll never which, fucking um, we'll never fucking get in Olympics again in Atlanta. <laughs> which, you know what? Based on everything I've read, you don't want the Olympics. No, you get the oh, Olympics yeah. and it ruins your city. You don't want it. <laughs> well, they're just mad. They're just they they you know what? The ninety six Olympics was Atlanta, Atlanta's time to shine, and then they love Atlanta, and this guy comes in there, throws a bomb, and now Black eye on Atlanta. They've never had anything good happen there since then. No, nothing at all. They're Except, you know, outcast. Yeah. Uh, and so then you think, well, the album's over. But then, of course, they've got to have a secret track. And it is a it is a flipping surprise. It's called Suburban Ranger. Insane. Okay, where the fuck have these drums been <laughs> this whole album? Wait, I sent this to John and said you have to listen to this. It's the craziest <laughs> song I've ever heard. Okay, I'm starting it over. Okay. Why you wanna step to me, my CIS? Rubber stone where you got a lot to say. So this is a song um, about white kids acting black. This is and... pretty fly for a white guy, but by tough guy. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what it is. At a certain point in this song, Matt, the um, they sentence. Um, there's a courtroom sequence in which they sentence uh, this guy um, to a hundred years confined to a chair. Forced to watch episodes of the Andy Griffith show, Hee Haw, and Lawrence Welk, No Parole. The fucking oldest man stuff I've ever heard in my life. I was like, when they said Lawrence Welk, I was like, Lawrence Welk? <laughs> and I was like, I guess that makes sense with, the, with some of these riffs that they chose on this album. It so. is the most old man references. They could have said the Brady Bunch and it would have sounded better. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, That's rough. So this was tough. This was tough. Um, but also, it's funny. This song has the best flow of any raps Dude, on the entire is, album. This is the best song on the record. It is. It is the best <laughs> song. It is just wildly, the lyrics are wildly offensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Shocking that this was in there. Once again, this came out in 1998. Uh, and that is the album Rising by Stuck Mojo. It is now the part of the show where we talk about c -c 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 cannon talk. Talk about the cannon. Uh, I will start basically just saying that, you know, that a lot of this shit, I will say, at times kind of rips in a kind of old way. It's definitely more rap rock than new metal. I was never bored listening to it. 
but I wouldn't put any of it in the canon because some of it is pretty terrible. But every now and again, I'd be like, oh, this rips a little bit, but not in the new metal way, in the Z-Rock 1995 kind of way. And when I saw that this album, because I did think initially when you picked this album, Brian, that this album had come out in like 1996, 1995. And I said 1998, I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I don't know how this happened. Uh, but I don't have anything for the canon. Brian, your thoughts? Uh, I actually hated this album and it was one of those albums that like uh, like i described earlier it's the one that you hear you read about in circus or something or alternative press mm-hmm. and you're like yeah i mean i should buy that that's th- like it has all the markers of what i like you know oh some guitar like pantera some rapping and like it just all that stuff sounds really good to me. I like Southern rock and, and shit like that. So a mix of all that stuff sounds really good to me, but this fucking sucked. Like this was just that done by people with very low levels of talent. <laughs> I mean, there are good parts. There are good guitar riffs, but I would, I would probably make the argument that there is uh, not one fully good song on this album. There's good parts. This is I same review I gave American Head Charge and pissed everybody off with. It's like <laughs> there are good parts of all the songs, but none of those songs are good. <laughs> Love it. Matt. Yeah, listening to it and and it's ten years too late. Like it doesn't feel fresh. Knowing what comes out that year ruins this. Like to know that you know. Devil Without a Cause, which is kind of analogous, like it's a one-to-one, it's a very easy step from this Stuck Mojo record to that Devil Without a Cause record. The the licks are so, well, the riffs are so much better on Devil Without a Cause. Ba with the ba bodies this record. It's done. Bodies Honestly. this record. Honestly, like, I feel like the moment you hear Ba with Ba, like, this album, like, ceases to exist. Like, frankly, it's just like, no, you erase the tapes. If you got this in March, and then in August you got Devil Without a Cause, Devil Without a Cause went in the CD player or the tape deck, and Stuck Mojo never went back in. You you also uh, sort of, like, something you said, like, really resonated with me in that, like, if this album comes out when, like, suicidal tendencies is really yes big and stuff. yes it's a massive like genre defining album but it came out when like somebody uh, during a different era completely and i don't i just you know I, I hate to be like this but like these guys aren't talented enough for me to overlook their right wing you know mm-hmm. that's true well they don't present it in a way that there's no argument there there's no presentation of thought. It's just, it would just be like, you know, a re- any ridiculous point said like fact. It's like, uh, what? It's all the ugliest parts of the, the, and I know what the, they're trying to be like, Hey, you know, we're a metal band. We sing about dark stuff, but they're like approvingly singing about the ugliest parts of our society. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I fucking love it, man. I fucking, I fucking my favorite part about America, the death penalty. Yeah, I love it. Throw the switch. Throw the switch. Might need to go in the junk drawer. Just, might, just because might. we need to have a song about capital punishment in the mm, junk it's drawer. Been, 
It's been missing. You might, you never know. You never, you never know. know when you, you might, might need one. Need a, you might need a song. But all in all, this is a very forgettable album. I'm not going to remember a lick of this once we stop recording. I'm not coming back for this. Um, it feels, yeah, it just, I would rather listen to Institutionalized. Like that feels way more of the moment and present than this. Like there's something about how this is recorded and presented that feels. This is like the guy from, I think, Lauren, you told this story, but it was like the guy from the band who t- six years ago, his poster was on the wall at the record label, and they mm-hmm. were pushing him, and he's coming in three albums later, wanting to talk about the marketing for the, his new album, and it's different people in the office and different posters on the wall, and he's nowhere to be seen in that mm-hmm. office. And it's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> right. Uh, and yet, three million copies apparently sold <laughs> to a dumpster. Citation needed. <laughs> a hungry needed. dumpster ate three million copies. <laughs> I, I feel I'm, bad I'm, ripping out. I mean, like, I do believe that there is a hole in the marketplace that they filled with this album. It's just I feel that that market got smaller and smaller, and bands who could do this better and better just did. I mean, you can. Again, if you were on wrestling at that time, that put you in front of so many fucking people. Like Limp Biscuit was huge, even longer than they would have been because of like wrestling. And that really says a lot that like somebody could see a video with like DDP in it and be like, this is, this is, you know, this is so cool. And then buy the album and the band, this. They don't take off. They like don't hit, and and it's fucking people have bad taste. But like I'm saying that to mean that like there had to be some people with bad taste out there. But it's like it it would I it must be a smaller number than I thought. I guess mm, yeah. this is really C tier shit. This is like you know, pardon pardon me for saying this is like American Head Charge, like that level of fucking. Mm-hmm. That level of new metal, that that non-point, uh, that kind of shit. This is like that level. And non-point, look, I liked them a lot. Orgulo's a banger. Orgulo is an all-timer. Yeah, yeah. So they're not. I I just think like these guys are just like they're not charming enough for the right wing shit, and they're not. They're they're doing guitar solos, which comes off like if you're trying if you're trying to be part of the genre doing guitar solos is that ain't it chief yeah we don't want that we don't want that at all ever and i don't want like strip club new metal no either like i I that's what that's what god smacks for yeah exactly (laughs) well there you have it stuck mojo not in the canon uh possibly throw the switch going into the junk drawer though um because we need a death penalty song throw the switch Uh, throw the switch and throw it into the junk drawer there you go um and that does bring us to another uh end of another episode of roach coach thank you so much for listening uh keep on saying hello to us online facebook twitter instagram roach coach and all those send us an email roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com brian you've got the guys podcast anything else you want to plug before we go p-o-d-cast p-o-d-k-a-s-t just like i think john was on recently and uh you know Twitch.tv slash Murder Brian if you want to watch the dregs of society. Uh, Watch me make fun of the dregs of society. (laughs) 
uh thank you so much brian for coming on this was a total blast um i've been a fan of your stuff for many years now and i'm loving that it's um, this new guys era i'm all on board um i'm loving it um and uh you know you know hopefully we'll have you back soon um and uh until next time uh matt thank you lauren thank you Brian, thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>